0: Man, that pastor on that wall, that's a handsome dude. I I don't know what I expected, but I don't think it was that, right? Wow, thanks, y'all. Thanks for making me feel ugly. Okay. Um, If you're here for the first time, I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis. We're doing a series called Floodgates. It's kind of a weird title for a series, Um, but what we're talking about make sure I make this make sense, is you know what floodgates are, right? They're the things in dams, and um, that's D-A-M, the things in dams, and when, like, when they're down, it keeps the thing on the other side of the dam from coming through, and when they're up, then the stuff comes through. With me? Yeah. So, basically what floodgates do, and how many of you drink water every day? You should. Like, I see people walking around with, like, they're like kegs, right? Right? <laughs> I don't even, and they hold it with one hand. So I don't know if it's, uh, if it's good for your body or if it's good for your muscles, but it's like 300 ounces or something. They're like, "Look at my daily water. You know it's crazy. It's not this. But water's good for you, yes? So it's good for plants, it's good for all kinds of stuff. So what we have said in this series is that floodgates hold something that's good for us back because if it was released on us, it would kill us. Because we're not ready for it. Are you with me? So, um, just as an example, we talked about Malachi chapter 3. It's a couple weeks ago. It's taken a long time to get to week 3 of this series. Have you noticed that? But it's okay. God has perfect timing. But we talked about finances. Well, that's where in Malachi 3, that's actually where God said, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and release such a blessing on you that you can't contain it. So we've been saying this whole series, this is about unlocking the uncontainable, right? Everybody say unlock. unlock. Just making sure you're with me, all right? So it's not about getting rich. That's right. I said this a couple weeks ago, God's after vessels, not vaults. Come on. Come on. He wants to, us to be rivers who carry his blessings to others, not reservoirs who keep his blessings for ourselves. So he's looking to pour out blessing to you so it can go through you, right? And finances, that's just one area. I just want you to get the concept that we do things that block the flow of God. And so he can't even, it's not like he sits up in heaven and goes, well, I want to be a God who blesses, but I just, they made me so mad. Because we think of God that way because sometimes we are that way, right? Like I got you a really good gift but you just ticked me off. So I went I returned it and got you this gum, right? <laughs> you know. Like that's not how God is. God his character is generosity. His character is blessing. He's a good father. So we've talked about it. it's like a river. The river's always flowing and the key to unlocking the uncontainable in our lives is obedience. I wish there was a better way, right? I wish that it was an easy like the key to unlocking the blessings of God is pecan pie, or pecan pie, if you're if you say it incorrectly. <laughs> I wish, don't you wish that? Like, you know, if you really want to see the blessing of God, eat all the food you want at Thanksgiving. Wouldn't it be great if it, if it was like that? But instead, he's like, if you want to unlock the uncontainable, and he always wants to pour out blessing that we can't contain. It's not about one church getting bigger. It's about a blessing that's so big one church can't contain it. One city can't contain it. One country can't contain it. Eternity can't contain it. But the way we unlock it is obedience. So when we, at any point, if we say to God, no, floodgates go down. And if at any point we say yes, simple obedience produces supernatural outcomes. Right? Just a simple yes opens the floodgates and all of a sudden like pfft, he just pours out a blessing that we can't contain. So today we're going to talk about another floodgate. <laughs> this will be fantastic. It won't apply to anybody. The floodgate of forgiveness. Holy cow. Turn to your neighbor and say this is for me. <laughs> um <laughs> Let me be—I I don't want to um, bait and switch you, so I'm going to be very, very— it's, How many of you dudes have ever—you've um, been so vulnerable, and remember the first time you told the, the woman you loved that you loved her? Do you remember how that felt? No? <laughs> like, my palms are getting sweaty just thinking about it right now. Like, when you are—the first time you worked up the nerve to ask her out. I know in today's culture— Women ask men out too. So the first time you asked whoever that you want to ask out, the first time you did it, I remember how like, you're like doing this. I mean, I remember being at the movie theater. The first time I tried to hold Wendy's hand and I was just making sure it wasn't sweaty. Right. And she was like, this dude has got a rash. Right? It was not good. It was, and I was like, no, no, I promise. I'm just trying to dry them off. Right. Before That's wet. So I can't, you know, it's just crazy. Because there's there's a there's a, a vulnerability when you expose yourself, and what if people don't respond? So I'm gonna be vulnerable. I'm probably setting myself up for disappointment. But at the end of this message, there'll be an altar call given, and all of you should respond. Every last one of you. I'll beat you to the altar. I will not be praying for people. I'll be praying for myself. God, that's, you know. Because all of us need forgiveness or need to forgive. Every single one of us. So the best way to start this off is with a story, a testimony, right? Because we love testimonies. Y'all love testimonies. Y'all are like a give me the mic church, right? It's crazy. But Amanda's got it. She, she, she said this week she sent me a text. I, I know you said you're talking about forgiveness, and can I please give a testimony about how that's played out in my life? And so when someone's like, Saying that, you know what I told her, of course, I was like, nah. (laughs) No, I didn't. I said, yes, come on, come on. So, y'all welcome Amanda as she comes. Now, my notes are right here. So, if you feel it, you just roll with it, okay?
1: All right, so, I'm Amanda, and I'm not good with words. I'm better at writing them, so. Okay. Um, Anyways i felt led to talk about forgiveness whenever he said something about forgiveness last time um i want to um before i talk about the forgiveness this past week has been kind of heavy because i still have issues with forgiveness so um i prayed hard this week so i could be free of that and let it go so i can give y'all the testimony that i have Um, well sort of sort of um If anybody knows me, my dad passed away about four years ago. Um, But anybody that knew me knows that I speak mostly positive things about my dad. Um, So this is kind of like a negative slash positive. So um, my dad was an angry alcoholic and a drug addict until I was about 15 years old. I didn't have a good relationship with him because with that brought anger and bitterness and emotional and verbal abuse. Um, Also physical to my mom. Um, My parents divorced when I was about three or four and um, my dad was a truck driver so I only saw him every other weekend. Um, I was angry. I was really, really angry. Um, I didn't wanna go to my dad's. Begged my mom on weekends not to go to my dad's. Um, Anyways, he stopped drinking when I was nine. And then I found out that he was doing drugs while truck driving to keep himself awake. That's not an excuse, but that's what he was doing. Um, When I was about 15 or 16, I started praying hard. I learned the power of prayer. Um... I used to write journals. I used to pray, and I can go back, and you can see every day I prayed about my dad. I said, just please deliver him from this. I actually got to witness my dad getting saved. He literally jumped over the pews to get saved. Um, But that's not where it ends. See, even though he got saved and I got to witness that, I was still angry. I, I guess I was selfish and I expected an apology. I expected him to take responsibility for some of his actions, and he acted like everything was normal. So I was a struggling teenager with everything going on as a teenager, plus having to deal with the anger towards my dad. Um, I actually went counseling for forgiveness because I didn't want to be a better person. I didn't want to be spiteful. I didn't want to punish him anymore and I felt because I didn't forgive him that I was being held back from a relationship that could flourish. Um just one day I prayed and prayed and prayed and thankfully I was able to forgive him. Um not for him and not for the things that he did to me but for myself because I Strongly believe forgiveness isn't about that person. Forgiveness is for you to let go and for you to be free from the the effects of what unforgiveness does. I didn't want to be a bitter person. And so with that, I was able to forgive him, and I was able to get three to four good years with my dad. Now, was he perfect? He was not. And, but with that, I was able to see him become humble. I was he, see him to become forgiving of others. And you, that's exactly what I needed. Yeah, because true. if I didn't do that, I would have never had that relationship before he passed. Yeah. So. And then that would have made me feel even worse. Yeah. So that's my thing on forgiveness. <laughs>
2: Mm.
0: so good y'all can relate to that can't you yeah so you can see like forgiveness is what releases the floodgates unforgiveness is what keeps them down all right i want you i want you to turn either turn in your bible or scroll to it however you do it tap to it matthew chapter 18 i want to read you the story it's called the parable of the unmerciful servant and here's how we're going to tackle this morning um just gonna be teaching is that cool with you guys I don't think I'm a very good preacher anyway, so um, we'll just tackle the text, and then we'll talk about some takeaways, okay? That's what, takeaways, everybody say takeaway. You know what that is? That's the part you hate. That's the part where the text becomes practical, where I say things like, well, because we read this, here's what we should take away, and we're like, oh, crud, I just want to nod my head, right? Takeaways don't let you nod your head. That's where we apply it, real life. And you don't hate it. You actually love it. That's why God's moving here. Okay, so here we go. Matthew chapter 18. Let me just read the whole thing, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Sounds like Peter might have had an issue, right? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. I shouldn't go off on this tangent, but I'm just going to say this very very quickly. Um, I'm not defending my style of teaching, but I love that even Jesus, when he addressed a really tough topic, told a story. Now I'm, I'm telling you, I get accused all the time of not being deep because I tell stories. and I'm just like, dude, read the gospel, get back to me. Okay, here we go. Therefore... Jesus is telling Peter a story. Just make sure you see this. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. I don't have any gold. That's a lot. Was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Oh, the story would be so good if we stopped there. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, He went off and had that man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. All right, now, zip back up to verse 21. We're going to go through this verse by verse. Just a little bit of quick teaching, okay? Um, Peter, I want you to know this, we knock on Peter a lot. When he said, hey, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister? Up to seven times. Peter more than doubled what was expected. So the religious leaders of that day, they taught that you should forgive somebody three times. So Peter's like, well, surely if I like three times two is six, add one more. Jesus will be happy with seven, right? So he, I do think that Peter probably was having a little issue with somebody. He might have been looking at somebody when he said this. Lord, how many times should I forgive people? Right? We all have struggles with people because sometimes people can be jerks. Amen? All the jerks said amen. (laughs) They didn't even know what they were amening. You just completely told yourself. And Jesus answered him. This is an interesting answer. My translation I read says, Not seven times, but 77 times. Yours might say seven times seven or 70 times seven. The point that Jesus was making is that the best we can do does not even come close. Right? I also like this. He's also saying this. Hey, Peter, forgiveness is not a checklist. So you don't at some point go, that's enough. Well, I already forgave, so it's over. And, oh, this is good marriage counseling for some of y'all. Because some of you spouses, you've been needing to forgive or ask forgiveness from your spouses for a long time. And you're like, well, I, we, we did that. We did that years ago. We had that one night where we forgave each other. Let me just remind you of something, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to even wrap my That's such a weird concept. But there are people who actually think this. How many of your sins were forgiven at the cross? So when you came to Jesus and you said, Lord, I, I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust in the work of the cross. And, and he said in that moment, how many sins were forgiven? This is the same God who then later told John to write 1 John 1.9 that said to confess your sins one to another. I'm just letting you know that just because we're forgiven doesn't mean we don't still need to be forgiven. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is like, why are you checklisting this? Why do you think there's like a certain magic number where once you get that done with your type A personality, you're like, okay, I learned forgiveness. That lesson's done. (laughs) If you're breathing, you're still in school about forgiveness, right? We're never done learning this. And he says... A man owed him, now I read you 10,000 bags of gold. Your translation may very, well, may very well say 10,000 talents. A talent was what you would earn in one day. So just, I'm going to do, do a little numbers dump. Here we go. A denarii was one day's wage, and it took 6,000 denarii to equal one talent. This man owed 10,000 talents. Are you with me so far? So if we just... I had to get a calculator, so it's okay. Just listen. This man owed sixty million days worth of wages. What Sixty million days worth of wages now this is this is a story, okay? Jesus is trying to get a point across. What do you think the point is? It's unpayable, right? Nobody lives 60 million years, I mean 60 million days, right? So, it, now, I did because I'm always curious. I went to Google and I typed in average daily wage for Americans. Now, I'm going to give you a number and don't groan. Don't be like, I'll make way more than that or I wish I made that, right? It's just the average. The average daily wage in America is $200. Now, I don't know if you make $200 a day or not. But that's the average daily wage. There's probably some gazillionaires that are driving that number way up, right? But let's just take that math. If we took that math, this man owed $12 billion. I just want you to wrap your brain around how big this debt was, right? Because this is a story of God and us. This is how he forgives us. We think that our sin is just a little bitty thing, y'all. One sin is an unpayable debt, This man owed an unpaid. So that 10,000 talents was a number that Jesus was using just to drive home the point that there's no way this joker can ever pay this back. What's interesting to me is that the man still begged, please just let me have a little bit more time. What's what's a little bit more of 60 million days, right? Like, just give me a little bit. I'm, I'm so close, right, to paying it back. It's crazy to think you would. But you know what? How many of us negotiate our sin with God like that? don't, Don't be mad, God. Just give me a little more time to get my act cleaned up. It's like, what? You're so close now, you know? Well, I went to church every Sunday for a month, which, by the way, in today's society, that's a big deal. Can I get an amen from the, the pastors in the house? I mean, like the average church goer that's committed to church goes less than twice a month now. And I'm just letting you into my world. Hey, build something great on 50%. It's tough. It's tough. Even if you said to God, I'll go every Sunday, I read the Bible every day except Saturday last week, it's, it's not enough. We can't negotiate it. And he approached it like it depends on us. We'll never pay the debt that we owe. People who want to earn their way into the kingdom, no matter how good we are, will never be good enough because it's a big debt. Our ability is it's far beyond us. And here's what I want you to get to, and we'll talk about this in the takeaways. Your ability to forgive is also beyond you. This man begged, I'll pay back everything. And don't you know the master was like, right. Right. You ever had somebody tell you to pay you back and you know like they're not lying, you just know they ain't never going to do it. <laughs> Parents, you loan money, anybody loan money to family? I'll pay you I'll pay it all back. <laughs> right. It's a gift, brother. Just take it, right? Cuz I don't I don't want to hate you at Thanksgiving. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just take it, man. Just take it. Okay, I'll, it's a gift, but I'll, I'll promise. Whatever. <laughs> and, and and then they don't they don't pay you back, but they have a new car. Right. Is this too real? I'm sorry. Was that too real? <laughs> no, I forgive you. You're out there slashing their tires. You know, <laughs> whatever. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> what are you doing? Just pimping your ride. That's all. Just pimping your ride. Whatever. Puncturing your ride oh my gosh, this man and the master, they both knew that he would never have enough time to work this off. So can I just set you free real quick? All the bargaining that you do, that you and I do with God, he knows. I think he looks at us like, you're so adorable. (laughs) What do you, do you really? Oh, uh, that's not going to work out the way you're saying, but whatever. Okay. Verses 27 and 28, these are the best and worst verses of the story. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Canceled the debt. You know, that's what happens when we forgive people. We cancel their debt. We let it go, let it go. Don't pay me back no more. Right? We just, we canceled the debt. Some of y'all are like, that was way better than the original, right? <laughs> way better. And some of y'all are forgiving me right now for ruining your favorite song. Man, so you, you, there are people in your life, and you are, you are like this with them. You have your hands around their neck, and you are making them pay for hurting you. And and you need to cancel that debt. Forgive, let release them. Just like Amanda said, not because they need it, because I promise you, they're they're still sleeping at night. You're the one that's awake at three in the morning. You need to let that go. And that's what this master did. He forgave the debt. And in verse 28, right on the tail of that, we find the word, but. I tell you all the time, the Bible's full of butts. Right, there are big butts in the Bible. Here's a big one: when you're for, the title of my message, by the way, is "Forgiven Billions Demanding Dollars." When you've been forgiven billions of dollars, twelve billion dollars, and then there's a but after that, there's a problem. His whole debt, twelve billion dollars, canceled, and then he turns around and says, "But when he went out." He found a man who owed him. Now, listen, I did the math, okay? i got to read this. I'll never get it right. He demanded the equivalent of 1.7 millionth of 1% of what he had just been forgiven of. I mean, that's like a, a dot with a boatload of zeros and then a number. Just that fraction of what... And I, and I said this, I talked this to youth once, and I said, you know why he, why he did that? Because even though he'd been forgiven billions of dollars of debt, he still didn't have any. He had no money. And so he went out to try to find money wherever he could find it. You can be forgiven so much and still have nothing. You have to trust the person who forgave you will also then take care of you. There's a preach in that. I don't have time to go into it. But here's the deal. There's a lot of believers who have trusted Jesus with their salvation, but they're not trusting Jesus beyond it. Well, I should have told you this up front. I'm trying not to be mad that you're quiet. But I've lived this message, and I've paid a high price to preach it. You might not have paid enough of a price to listen. But I've paid a price to preach this one. I've lived this one out. Right? Wendy and I have lived this message out. It's deep in me, y'all. Unforgiveness is the greatest blocker to the blessing of God in the body of Christ. So many people walking around mad and ticked off and offended at the smallest things. So the second man, what did he do? The exact same thing the first man had done. At some point, do you... Did you think that the guy was like, I think I've seen this before, right? Like, oh, oh, that's right. That was me just moments earlier. I was begging for more time, begging for somebody to just, just have mercy on me. And now the second man's doing the exact same thing. Verse 30, but he refused. Some say he was unwilling I I thought, why didn't he believe the man? So when this man who owed him just a fraction of what he'd been forgiven of, when this man said, please be patient with me and give me time, there was something in the first man who didn't believe that the second man was telling him the truth. Right? So he was like, bro, I mean, I've given you so much time already. You're never going to pay me back. Do you know why he thought that? Because he knew that he was lying to his master. You think he was really going to try to pay back the billions of dollars he owed? No. He knew that he had just conned the master into compassion, and now he believed he was being conned by another man. He couldn't forgive him because he didn't believe him. Yeah. That was really good. You'll have to watch the video to get it later, but it was really good. Verse 31, this is a strong word to the church. When the other servants saw what had happened, don't believe for a second that other people aren't watching how you forgive or don't forgive. You said we profess Jesus and then we get together and roast other people with our conversation the world has the reaction that we just were reading about. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. Now, there's a definite spiritual attack on Christianity in our country today. Would you agree? So there's a spiritual reason why people are, are leaving church like crazy. Well, unless churches are hungry for God, and I think what we're seeing is a return, right? But part of the reason that people have left is this verse is that we've actually not lived out the forgiveness that we've received and people are like dang like if you can't like need a penny take a penny right <laughs> need forgiveness take forgiveness give forgiveness when you receive forgiveness they're like if you can't make that work I don't know that I'm I i do not know I need this I'll just sleep in a little longer They were distressed. It literally means in the Greek that these fellow servants were grieving. They were grieving that this man didn't offer the same forgiveness that he'd been given. So they went. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Being forgiven should change us, especially in the area of forgiveness. Forgiven people forgive people. The answer to this question of how this happened is simple. The first man believed that he deserved to be forgiven and believed that the second man didn't deserve to be forgiven. Anytime, y'all, anytime we approach God with this attitude, well, your favorite child is here. I mean, i they're all messed up, God. <laughs> Holy cow. They need church, right? They need more Maverick City. But, but, God, I mean, you've always known that I was good. Man, the minute that we think we deserve forgiveness, it's the minute that we, we withhold it from others because we don't think that they deserve it. Last bit of teaching from the text please buckle your seatbelts don't throw things at me here we go and then we're going to do some takeaways and then we'll get out of here because y'all are hungry right you're ready to eat we're eating now but i know you want to eat food food right so verse 34 in anger his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed when i read that verse the first thing i thought was well serves them right anybody with me I mean, it's, I'm, it's not a trick question, so don't feel bad for saying yes. I was like, well, the dude's a jerk. He's a jerk. He should be put in jail. Ha! I'm like, I'm, I'm yelling at the Bible, right? Go, master! Ha! Love it! And I felt like God said, can, can you please, Paul, just chill and take this verse and just teach the church to stop talking about karma? I know, I just, I just ticked a bunch of you off. Full disclosure, people talk about karma and don't even know what it is. Okay, so a little teaching moment, very quickly. Some of y'all, go, some of y'all are like, I'm going to have to go clean my Facebook up after this message, right? <laughs> I see Christians post about karma all the time. Christians don't believe in karma. It's not a Christian teaching. It's a, it's a real life. Like we see it play out like we're like, oh, well, you did this and you deserve that. And the Bible says you reap what you sow. So I guess that's like karma. No, no. Karma is that you get what you deserve. The point of the story is that he got what he didn't deserve. He never deserved to be forgiven billions of dollars. So we look at verse 34 and go, well, that's karma. No, that's an idiot. Who didn't receive what he'd been given and then pass it along to other people. The Christian faith is not a faith of karma. Well, people get what they deserve. It's a faith of we get what we don't deserve because none of us deserve forgiveness. And when we receive that, we're supposed to pass along to other people what they also don't deserve. We are the anti-karma faith. So, clean up your Facebook. Stop all these people that accuse the preachers of false doctrine, and then they they post on karma. I'm like, seriously, come on, really? Okay, whatever. We're we're to be grace driven more than karma driven, and I'm telling. So here's where karma comes from. Karma comes from that deep seated lie that I deserve. And we don't. Grace is freely given, but it costs a bunch of stuff to the person who gives it. And the minute we forget that, we think we deserved it. I deserve for Jesus to die on the cross. No, 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 no. You deserve to be on the cross. It is a good word. It is. I'm glad me and you were on this. I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but we got it. So here's our takeaways. Okay, takeaways really quickly. I've got four. Um, number one, how we forgive. Look at it's on the screen, dude. Give it up for Russ in the back. Come on, man, killing it. Come on. I didn't even ask them to do that. They're so good. How we forgive is directly related to how much we need forgiveness. So I'm just recapping. Most of us don't think we're that mad. So we read stories like these, and we tell ourselves, I would never do what that man did. I would definitely forgive dollars, right? Romans 12, 1 and 3. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, karma, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, gospel. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, forgiveness. For it is by grace, it's the grace of Given to me that I can say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Listen to this statement. We see ourselves correctly, which is verse 3, through sacrifice, which is verse 1. Offer yourself as a sacrifice. And when we sacrifice our lives, we're able to see ourselves correctly. The reason why Christians have an inflated view of themselves is because they're still living. But if you'll offer yourself as a living sacrifice, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to kill you, I must decrease so He can increase, then you'll have a better view of yourself. It's hard to see yourself completely when you're full of yourself. Take away number two, because that was brutal, right? Holy cow. We can't make others earn what we were given. Don't make people earn forgiveness from you when you didn't have to earn it from God. A couple of verses to jot down: Ephesians four thirty-two. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Um, how did we? How were we forgiven in God? Freely, right? Jesus, freely. Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick. This is Jesus talking. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Man, we are so bad at charging others for what we didn't have to pay for. Don't make others earn what you were given. Here's the third takeaway. This is the hardest one of all, and this is going to absolutely bring out the doctrine police. I'm ready for it. Because I got scripture, unforgiveness undoes forgiveness. Now I, I can hear it: once saved, always saved. Whatever, I'm going to walk with Jesus daily. So at the end of my life, I know I'm still with Jesus. You you figured out, right? I'm not going to rest my entire eternity on something that happened when I was three. Unforgiveness undoes forgiveness. Everything given to that man was taken away. Don't miss this. The story that Jesus told, and, and again, we want to do the thing in our head where it's just a story <laughs> told by Jesus. Hello. To teach us something eternal. This man was forgiven billions of dollars And by the end of the story, he's in jail until he pays back billions of dollars, which is 60 million days of work. Is he ever paying it back? Is it okay for us to assume that the story ends with him in jail? Okay, I think so too. He was forgiven, and now he's not. And it wasn't because his master changed his mind or changed who he was it's because his master said, dude, if you want to treat people the way they deserve, then I will treat you the way you deserve. We need scripture to back this up, right? Because we don't like to talk about this, because this doesn't grow churches. Well, actually, it grows the kingdom. So Matthew 612. By the way, I just want to highlight these are red. These are all from Jesus. Matthew six twelve. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. This is part of the Lord's prayer that we should be praying all the time and living. Matthew six fifteen. This is even stronger because I think I think Jesus taught them how to pray, and then I think he could see their faces. Right? <laughs> like the disciples were like, "Wait did did he just say forgive at we'll, What? As we hold up? What?" And so Jesus followed up three verses later with this. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Y'all, forgiveness, unforgiveness undoes forgiveness. It's a blocker. It blocks the flow of God's forgiveness to us. And I only say that, again, I said it would bring out the doctor and police. Are you saying I'm not saved? I'm saying, why would you want to live your life on thin ice? I don't understand that. It's like this whole motive in the church is like, I just want to be as much like the world as possible and still get to heaven. Really? Really? Like when I was youth pastor and we teach on sex. I'm, oh, okay. See, there's no clock back there anymore. Y'all are in trouble, right? When I was youth pastor we teach on sex, and the question is always like, how far is too far? And I would always say that's, that's the worst possible question because the only way to find out is by going too far. Oh, oh, that was the edge of the cliff, right? <laughs> but people that are hungry for Jesus, do you know what they say? They don't say how close can I get to the edge of sin and still get to heaven? They're like, "Dude, how far away can I get from that?" How close can I get to Jesus right now? Not how much bitterness can I live with and still make it to heaven? Where I will get to heaven and finally, thank God, see these people that did me wrong get what they deserve. There are Christians that have that attitude. They can't wait to get to heaven, not to see Jesus, but to see their enemies punished. We are the first dude in the story. Last takeaway. I don't even... I was gonna tell you to come up with a band. I don't even know if music can even redeem this message, honestly. Right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, they play the keyboard and people are like, oh, that's better, right? <laughs> you know, like, like David playing the harp for Saul, <laughs> like all the demons left. As long as Nathan's playing the keyboard, we're good, right? <laughs> me, I have a, I have sweaty armpits. <laughs> Do you, are you supposed to talk? Okay. Well, come on up. Well, I'll, let me wrap this up and then. Come on, you can come stand next to me. It'll make me talk faster. They would love that. Give her a hand for helping me close. <laughs> Last takeaway. This is your big idea. I've already said it once. Big idea, by the way, this means if you get this, you got the whole message. I know I just preached for uh, a long time, but this is what I'm trying to say. Forgiven people, forgive people. If you've been forgiven, truly forgiven, then you will Forgive. That huge amount of debt that was forgiven, we can never find forgiveness in ourselves. It has to be given to us so that it can be given through us. Wendy and I, I, don't. it's been years ago, we went through a season of our lives, we had to forgive somebody that did not deserve it. And it's the only, this might be a bad statement, but it's the only season of our lives where I knew that God told me that she and I, Daily, we're supposed to kneel on our knees beside our bed and pray, not just for that person, but for God to give us the forgiveness to give that person. You don't have it in you, y'all. Read all the self-help books you want. You don't have it in you to forgive people that do you wrong. Human nature is, I will kill you. <laughs> so you better be watching because I'm, I'm sneaky. I'm like a ninja, right? Right? That's human nature. Kingdom nature is I wanted to kill you. But God killed me. And brought me back to life with forgiveness that I now offer you. If you have unforgiveness in your life, it's because you have not released the hurt to the only one who can give you forgiveness to give to someone else. Do you think it's just a good time? (laughs) <laughs> she's like give me the mic this is paula everybody say "Hey, paula. Hi, paula all right you you do your thing and then i've got i'll read a verse and we'll wrap it up
3: okay all right this i'm gonna blame this testimony on amanda Sure, fault girl <laughs> okay um just to fall back on amanda's testimony mine goes a little bit deeper and i waited a little too long and I sat here and I said, no, it's not my day to, to do this testimony, but the Lord had different plans for me because my heart's been pounding out of my chest the whole time. So the difference between Amanda and I is she didn't wait too long. She was able to forgive her father and herself in a timely manner. I wasn't so lucky. So I'm gonna try to make, I know you guys are hungry and ready to get out of here too. I'm gonna try to make this as short as possible. But I did also grow up in a broke up family. Um, The deal was I was to go to see my father every other weekend. And on the most part, we did get to go see him every other weekend. But when we would go, it was always my dad. He was an awesome guy, don't get me wrong, I love my dad more than anything. It was always, no, I can't go out tonight. can't go out this weekend. I got my kids. I'm babysitting. Number one, parents do not babysit their own children. (laughs) But when you're young and you hear that every other weekend, it kind of sets in. So it got to the point to where we just really didn't want to go over to his house every other weekend. Not because we didn't love him, but just because we were getting in his way for being single and having a really good time. So as we get just progressing on down the you know the years, now we're adults. Dad's older. Dad has another child. I have a younger brother. I'm seeing how he treated my oldest brother and I in comparison to how he treated Patrick, and little resentment there. I don't want to call it jealousy because i was thankful also that my dad was showing patrick more loving attention and spent more time with him than he did my older brother and i and actually it it was almost overbearing he was at an older age when he when patrick came along and he was his primary caregiver so it was almost obnoxious at how he was making up for time so to speak so Resentment sets in and I will be the first one to tell you if you have any resentment toward anyone get rid of it That is nothing but evil so dad gets sick dad gets Lewy body dementia and Over the years it gets progressively worse so that Patrick and dad move in with my older brother for a couple of years It gets progressively worse. My older brother can't handle it. So he kicks them out, and they show up on Todd and I's doorstep. So I open the door, and there stands Dad and Patrick and all their bags. I'm like, oh, you're coming to stay? We're coming to live. Oh, okay. So uh, we moved them in. And God blessed me with Todd. I'm telling you. Because there's no way that I could have lived that life by myself without Todd. Okay, so dad and Patrick are living at the house now and I'm going stir crazy because I'll be the first one to tell you I am not a caregiver. I'm not a caregiver. I love you, I will love you all that I can. I will do for you as far as making a meal, but giving you a bath, I'm gonna have to call for reinforcement. I can't do it. I'm just that person and just so that all you guys out there that are caregivers, God made you for a reason because he knew there were going to be people like me. All right, so it was a tough life we lived there. I held all kind of resentment in my heart because my dad showed up at my doorstep with my little brother, not because I did not love them, but because the mindset I had is why am I taking care of my dad and my little brother when my dad never really took care of me? He didn't take care of me, but here I am taking care of him. And it, Lewy body dementia is ugly. All dementia is ugly, but Lewy body is more aggressive and more progressive. My dad was fallen and I couldn't get him up. Todd is in my life for a reason and that was one of them. He helped me through and through to take care of my dad and to take care of Patrick to get to, to the, so that Patrick continued to have a, a father figure in his life even though my dad couldn't be that figure anymore because he just couldn't. So all I can tell you is this, my dad did not live long, he lived a year past longer than they expected him to, so he lived for eight years instead of the seven. During the time he lived with me, all I had in my heart was resentment, hurt, (laughs) mad, And when I'm mad, I'm not mad at just one person. I'm mad at the world. Todd can vouch for that also. And I'm not nice when I'm mad. I'm hateful to others. Mad's not a good place to be. But resentment brings it in because resentment's nothing but the evil. So the reason I'm telling this testimony is because I know that I've sat there this morning and God is telling me that I am not the only one that has felt this resentment. The difference is this, is I waited too late. By the time that I could forgive my father for not taking care of me as I was growing up, and then forgive myself for being resentful because of it, I couldn't tell him. I could tell him all day long, but he's not gonna remember, He he doesn't remember my name. He doesn't remember my face, he doesn't know who I am. And then he passed away. He has no clue that I even held the resentment nor does he have a clue that I forgave him for the reason that I felt like I needed the resentment and he wasn't around to witness the fact that I forgave myself. And then I had to turn around and forgive myself again once he passed away for feeling the guilt of the fact that I didn't do any of that in time and that I felt that way. So I'm telling you right now, if there's anyone in here that has any resentment towards someone they love, someone you don't love, it's gonna come back at it. it's gonna rear its ugly head if you don't take care of it now, if you don't forgive and literally forget and then forgive yourself. And Paul is right, you learn from all of this, you learn from it. My heart is a forgiving heart and for all of that, I've been able to learn how to forgive others, forgive myself first. And then it also helps me to understand that all the forgiving people that I have in my life that they're able to forgive me too. So I've waited for years actually to tell this testimony because I never really thought it was time. But today, the Lord said it's time. So, all I can say is, love your people and forgive them.
0: All right. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and think about this statement. Unforgiveness is drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It kills you. Even Even what you just shared, Paula, right? The effect is what it does to us. And today, God wants to set you free from that. I told you that I I want all of you to respond. I do. Because everybody in this room needs to forgive somebody or be forgiven. You might just need to forgive yourself for waiting too long to forgive somebody. But man, if you're breathing, you're here today because God wants to give you forgiveness for those situations. just going to ask you to stand where you are to respond to this message from the Lord and then I'm just simply going to pray over you would you would you just raise your hands to the Lord and I just want to pray that you would receive forgiveness today This is not about what we deserve. Just give me a little bit of freedom to just kind of apply this altar call because it's a general call, y'all. I don't have to make it specific. All of us need this. That's the tear, right? But here's the thing some of you have allowed the enemy to speak lies to you, tell you that you don't deserve to even forgive yourself, you don't deserve to be forgiven. Again, y'all, that's back to karma. We don't believe in that. When the enemy tells you that you don't deserve to be forgiven, your response should be, thank you for preaching the gospel to me. Because the gospel says I don't deserve to be forgiven. But I am because of what Jesus did on the cross The enemy doesn't have anything he can tell you that you don't already know. And when he tells you that person doesn't deserve your forgiveness, you should say, thank you for reminding me of the gospel. Because I didn't deserve it either, but I received it. And so now, as a follower of Jesus, as a forgiven person, I'm going to forgive that person, because forgiven people forgive people. I'm not trying to drag this out, but I really believe that right now in this moment, God is doing something so deep in us, and I just invite you to receive it. Would you maybe for the first time in a long time just receive forgiveness from your Heavenly Father? You have been forgiven billions. And let's don't be like that first guy who thought it was a great decision on the master's part to forgive him because he really did deserve it. No. Can we not rush past the moment of what we've been forgiven? It's huge, unpayable Stop trying to do more good than you do bad. It's, it's not repayable. We need forgiveness from God. He paid a debt that we could never have paid. And I'm telling you, in this moment, He's dropping that down in some of your spirits. He's dropping it down into your souls. He's planting it there. And you're going to leave this place today and you're going to find that you are forgiving more and more people. Because He's giving you a gift right now that He just wants you to give to others. You don't have to wait to leave the building. If there's somebody in your life that you have been holding a grudge against. If there's somebody in your life that you have, you have told yourself, when they act better, I'll forgive. I just, I need you to say to God, I forgive them right now. I forgive them right now. Listen, it does not mean that you have to trust them again. It just means that you have to set them free. The Bible says in Romans 12 that as far as is possible with you, live at peace with all men. And I don't say this to be cute, but sometimes the only way to live it with peace with all men is to be as far away as possible. But in your heart, you have to be free. So I'm calling you right now just to set them free and set yourself free. The end of Romans 12 says that's how we overcome evil with good. It's when we leave room for God's wrath. And last statement, and then I think we should probably, can we just sing a little bit? this is why forgiveness is so hard y'all because when we forgive other people we step off the throne of judgment and we allow the king of kings the lord of lords the creator of the universe to take the throne that is rightfully his and we say to him i'll leave room for you to deal with that person And so the most skeptical person in this room right now, the least emotional person in this room, can we just talk business transaction? The wisest thing you can do right now is to take the person that you're so mad at and just place them in the hands of God. He says, leave room for my wrath. You take care of overcoming evil with good. You bless them, just bless them. Just set it, you're you're free just to love on them, but you just put them in my hands and I'll take care of them. And as we, as we sing at the end, just to kind of seal this with a song, would you just do that with the Lord? And I would encourage you to whisper their name. You've heard a couple testimonies already about fathers. My guess is they're not the only ones in the room with things that they need to deal with, with fathers. But it could be an ex-spouse, an ex-business partner. A current business partner, a teacher, a student, a neighbor. Oh, God, it could be a family. But let's be people who forgive.
2: there is nothing like your love there is nothing
0: There is nothing like you love. Okay, so Joyce says, I've got to share this. So Before she does, let me just tell you this. All of you that have been praying for the Lord to move like he did in the book of Acts, this is what it looks like. That's maybe what it looks like. In the book of Acts, what God did in the temple was more than the temple could contain. Which is why it says that they met daily in the temple and in homes. Right? So a lot of these testimonies that you're hearing, because like, I love it. Like God's like, I need to share this. This is stuff you need to be doing also Monday through Saturday. Standing in line at Walmart, turn to somebody and go, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to share this testimony with you. Not that you shouldn't share it now. I'm just, because you do that too. I'm just saying, don't think we have to squeeze it all into this. This is bigger than a container, right? That's why we're unlocking the uncontainable. Okay, Joy.
4: No, this is two minutes, I promise, because I stood over there. Okay, so I came in here knowing there are two people in my life I have to forgive. And I stood over there, and I was like, how? I don't know how. But this is what I did, and I feel like you may need this. This is gonna be. This is gonna sound awful, y'all. But if you know me, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's joy." I was the guy who put their put their hands around the neck of the person who owes me thousands. And in my head, I mean, I'm I'm really living out of vision lately. So I put my hands around them, around their necks, and then I looked back at the king who forgave me millions and billions. Of and I let go. And I dropped my hands off of them and just said, Go, I forgive you. I just forgive you. So if you're standing there going, How? Go ahead and start strangling them. And then look back, though, at the king that forgave you everything. And it'll be easy <laughs> to drop your hands. That was it. No, that's so good. Thank you so much.
0: All right, so Joy just dropped a a whole better big idea, right? Struggling to forgive? Look at Jesus, right? That's what she just said. So, Father, I just pray right now, God, as we're leaving this place, we're going to go eat food and all the things. But, man, God, I pray that you don't let us leave this deep work that you're doing in us, God. I don't want any pain that we feel to be wasted. And We know this about you. You are the God who said, gather the pieces and pick up all that broken stuff and put it in some baskets. And we're going to feed a lot more people with it because you don't want anything to be wasted. So these broken parts of our lives, God, I thank you for how you care for them, how you gather them. God, we are content to be just pieces in your hand that you use to serve a world. Keep our eyes on you, Lord, I pray. Always remind us of how much you love us and how much you've forgiven us so that we can be forgiven people, forgiving people. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, will you tell... Nathan and Ella again, how much you appreciate them being with us. So good having y'all here. Y'all have a fantastic week, okay? Don't rush off. Go get food. Make a mess. Eat it in here. We'll clean it up, right? Just hang out with people. Get to know somebody. Share your story with them. Tell them how God's changed you through forgiveness. We'll see y'all next Sunday.